Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready For The Draft podcast, 2021 podcast edition, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin sometime next year. Really don't know exactly when the league is going to decide to hold its draft. Normally, it's the end of April, but we do have the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the MAC that have all postponed fall sports until at least the winter. Both the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are exploring the possibility of having a season in the winter and for the Mac and the Mountain West it's even possible that they could fall into the spring so what does that do for players who are draft eligible that want to get ready for the draft what does that mean for the combine combines normally uh, you know at the beginning of, of March and you have that time for the NFL draft scouts to really start learning these players and really getting to know them they've already done a lot of the tape study but really being able to get to know them What's going to happen there with with that that bubble? What's going to happen there? You know, are they going to move it back to, to May or possibly even June? What does that end up doing for the 2021 season? Because you don't have as much time to really prep getting into a lot of the mini camps and then into training camp. Really going to be an interesting uh, scenario to keep an eye on. Uh, but in terms of college football, college football is back for the majority of the FBS programs. And they kicked off last week. You know, We had a, a few games that we got to watch over the weekend. And uh, you know, Marshall looked great against Eastern Kentucky. Yes, I know it was Eastern Kentucky, but you know, Marshall's quarterback, Grant Wells, only a freshman, did not play like a freshman. 16-23, 307 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, the guy I was really looking forward to watching is, is Brendan Knox. Didn't really get as many carries as I was expecting. He still had 18, 85 yards and a touchdown. You know, this guy... His game is really about getting north and south, getting physical between the tackles, has a burst, but doesn't have that home run ability. Really want to see what he can do laterally. I think that's really going to step up his game. Also see if he can catch the football out of the backfield a little bit. Wasn't really asked to do that. Really going to be interested to see what happens when they actually get into conference play, but a big win so far for the Thundering Herd. Uh, you know, Army taking on Middle Tennessee. Army had their way with them, you know, 45 uh, nothing. You know, the Red Raiders, I'm sorry, the Blue Raiders, they're not red, they're blue, uh, really had a tough time with, uh, you know, Army trying to stop that, uh, you know, that option that, that they have, the triple option look. Uh, the guy I was really looking forward to watching is Reed Blankenship. I think he showed some good range in, in the running game, coming up in run support, nine tackles and tackle for loss. He's really the guy on that roster that if you're going to look for someone who's going to be playing at the next level, I think Reed Blankenship has a really good shot. Um, you know, Unfortunately, with, with Middle Tennessee, they were outclassed by Army in this game. Looking forward to really seeing him play against more pro-style offenses. I think that's more of a fair uh, assessment of his game. And so you know, I'll, I'll be making sure to keep an eye on Middle Tennessee throughout the season, really see how Reed Blankenship has progressed uh, into his senior season. SMU, Texas State, really a good game here. 31-24, the, the Mustangs come out on top. Shane Bouchelle, uh, kind of up and down. You know, he showed some showed off some really good arm strength going down the field. He's not a guy who's really known for the arm strength, but I think the ball placement more than anything else did show, you know, the ability to push the ball down the field. But ball placement is key for him, throwing with anticipation. Um, you know, made some, some ill-advised throws, and I think that got him into trouble a little bit there. Uh, Reggie Roberson. Uh, really looks like he's back. Six receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown there. Um, you know, Danny Gray, you know, the speedster, he's a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, a junior college transfer, a track guy. He's someone to really keep an eye on. Uh, Richard McBride, the, the middle linebacker, the guy who's you know, was an Auburn, um, you know, big, you know, 
Under Armour All-American, All had the neck injury, actually you know, thought that his career was over, ultimately was allowed you know, and cleared to play, playing for SMU. He looked like you know, there were some false steps, especially in coverage, but a, a guy who is, is one of the leaders on that defense, racks up a lot of tackles. He's another guy to, to keep an eye on. But Texas State, I'll tell you what, Brady McBride is a quarterback to keep an eye out for uh, as we move forward. Jake Spavital, uh, you know, a, a guy who's known for you know, developing offenses. You know, McBride, you know, a, a kid who you know made some ill-advised throws uh, on the move, but he reminds you of Johnny Manziel, you know, with whom uh, you know Jake Spavital was was at uh, Texas A&M. And, you know, I think Brady McBride is, is really going to be a lot of fun. I think the Bobcats are going to enjoy having him, but they're going to have to take the good with the bad. You know, a little bit of heartburn there, but, um, you know, definitely an exciting player. And then Jeremiah Haydell, their, their receiver, uh, just four catches for 37 yards, but everyone's talking about that touchdown. Look, just like Odell Beckham Jr. extending over his head in the end zone on a fade, uh, one-handed catch, falls down in the end zone, uh, brilliant catch. Unfortunately, the Bobcats come up just a little bit short. And then the Memphis game against Arkansas State. Uh, you know, Kenneth Gamewell. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kenneth Gamewell. One of the most prolific backs. You know, last season. You know, a, a guy who was one of the best running backs out of the backfield catching the football. Um, unfortunately, he's had four relatives die due, due to COVID-19. So he opted out of, of the 2020 season. And really, they, they phrased it not so much that he's getting prepared for the NFL draft, more so that he's um, you know just opting out due to the COVID reason. So there's a chance that Kenneth Gamewell, who is three years removed from his high school senior year of high school, so he does have the opportunity to enter the draft. But I think in that case, could very well be a top five running back, but that could put him into day two. Uh, conversation. So I think for him, he has a chance. If he comes back, plays in 2021 in a Memphis Tiger uniform, he has a chance to be the number one running back taken in uh, in the 2022 draft. Uh, but with Memphis, you know, obviously Demonte Demonte Cokes, he's the guy that you really want to watch out there. You know, I thought you know the the blocking you know was a little bit you know to, to be desired there. Um, but you know, a guy who's big, he's physical, does a really good job. Uh, adjusting to the back shoulder throw. That's one of the things that he and Brady White are known for. And then Sean Dykes, he was only 6'2", 224 pounds, looks like a buffed up receiver. But this was a guy who was attacking the seam all game long, 10 catches, 137 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. He's someone to watch throughout the season. And then you know, the, the matchup that I wanted to watch when Memphis was on defense was Jonathan Adams against TJ Carter. And that one was a fun one to really watch. Uh, you know, Jonathan Adams, big physical wideout, um, you know, uses his arms to, you know, a size to his advantage, uses those those long arms for stiff arms. Uh, but TJ Carter really, really locked him up pretty well. He did have six catches for 65 yards, but really never had that, that big play to get things going there uh, for the Red Wolves. Um, you know, so that was really the matchup that I wanted to watch. But I'll tell you what, we're talking about defense and my top 10s with defense. And Forrest Merrill is a guy who's just outside my top 10 as of now. But I'll tell you what, watching him in this game, the 6'1", 338-pound senior was very physical at the point of attack. You know, stout against double teams, uh, would stand up the center at the point of attack and then able to shed off the block and, and get after the running back. He's a big physical dude in the middle of that defense. And, you know, having seven tackles, you know, to go along with the, a tackle for loss, 
This is someone who I think is very active, very disruptive in the middle, and I think he has a good chance to move into my top 10 uh, defensive tackles when it's all said and done. And then BYU Navy, BYU blowing out the midshipmen. Uh, you know, Ken Niamatololo didn't really have much of an answer there for Kalani Sataki's uh, BYU Cougars. You know, this is one of the best teams, if not the best team, that Kalani Sataki's put together. You know, they came out very well prepared. I, I think their season's really riding on uh, Zach Wilson's health. If Zach Wilson can stay healthy, you know, that's really where they were at. You know, a season ago, and it's not so much how BYU starts, it's how they finish. You know, you remember they beat USC, um, but they kind of faltered down the stretch. You know, if they can keep the momentum going and really, you know, that running game with Katona and then Zach Wilson throwing the football, if they can keep Wilson healthy, keep him upright. He's got an offensive line that's a veteran group in front of him with James Empey anchoring things at center, Tristan Hogan and, and Shannon Herring, the pro prospect there at right tackle. This is a group, a very veteran group that, you know, if they can keep him upright, they're, they're going to you know, really go some places, and BYU is going to be a team to keep an eye out for uh, when, when things are all said and done. So those were the games that I got to kind of keep an eye on throughout the, uh, the first week, if you will. It's not the full first week because we really didn't get to see any of the Power 5 schools. Um, you know, we're going to get to see that here week two, and uh, you know, we'll talk about that here at the end of the podcast, some of the things to really keep an eye out for. And I just realized um, that... It's defense. It's going to be all about defense in this podcast. So we're going to be talking about my top 10 for the defensive side of the football. Episode one was all about the offense. Now we're moving to the defensive side of the ball, the disruptors. And, you know, there, there are a lot of players in this class that have opted out. You know, and that's one of the things with COVID-19, a lot of players deciding to opt out of their season this year and really focus on the NFL draft. So as we go through this, that's kind of what I'm going to try to identify are some of those players who have opted out that we're not going to be able to see play. But if you can get hands on on some tape and some highlights, I think you're going to be impressed with a lot of these guys. So let's go ahead and jump right into the defensive ends. And I think if you're talking about defensive ends, the first name that has to come to mind is Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Uh, 6'6", 250 pounds, a redshirt sophomore, you know, really only had the one season, redshirt freshman year in 2019. uh, And he was phenomenal. 54 tackles, 19 and a half going for loss, 15 and a half sacks. Now, this is a guy who lined up all over the field. He was a stand-up end, put his hand in the dirt, even lined up at defensive tackle, and uh, you know, was able to get the job done and get to the quarterback in any of those plays. This was a guy who started out 6'6", 222 pounds out of high school, playing receiver, defensive end, and safety, bulked up. And uh, you know, I'll tell you, you know, those receiver and safety skills you can really see you know, in, in a guy who now has a defensive end body. You know, he's very athletic. Um, you know, Excellent get off off the line, but he also has some power in his hands as well. I thought that was really impressive to really see that happen. The hands to, to disengage off the blocks, um, you know, gets up and up the field in a hurry. Uses those long arms for those strip sacks. So as he's coming in, he's not just looking to to take the quarterback down. He's coming down. He's swiping. Those hands are coming down and really chopping at the the quarterback's arms as he's bringing him down. Uh, you know, the bull rush, you know, you'd see if he lined up against a tight end, you know he was licking his chops because he'd explode into that tight end, drive him back, then show those quick hips, stack and shed, loop around, get to the quarterback for a sack. Um, you know, a guy who did a really good job also getting into the, the tackle. You know, it wasn't just tight ends. He'd get into the right tackle, shove him back, getting him off balance. Then, you know, the vision. You see, you know, uh, against Virginia as an example, saw by, uh, Bryce Perkins uh, try to run. Very athletic quarterback. Disengages, chases him down and drops him uh, for, for no gain. 
know, just the athleticism was very impressive. This was someone, you know, uses his hands very well, has some arm over and uh, some rip moves, uh, has a double swipe at the, the blocker's hands as well. Explosive getting up the field. He's someone that I was really looking forward to see play and see what he could do in his redshirt sophomore season. Unfortunately, due to COVID-19, he's sitting out the year. But he, I would be surprised if Gregory Rousseau was not taken in the first 15 picks of the draft. You know, this kid is somebody who, you know, he was dominant against against Florida State. Moved all over the defense, had four sacks in that game. Uh, very athletic. He's somebody uh, who's I think is going to move up draft boards, especially when we get time, uh, you know, around the combine and the individual workouts number two on my list uh, i gotta go with carlos boogie basham 6'5 275 out of wake forest you know this is a kid uh you know 18 tackles for loss and 10 sacks uh, to go along with uh, three pass breakups and, and three forced fumbles most of those were in the first half of the season wake forest started the year eight and oh kind of faltered down the stretch and i think you know boogie basham struggled to get off some blocks you know, I liken him, he's not the explosive pass rusher. I think when everyone was talking about the draft a season ago, everyone was talking about A.J. Epinesa and a guy who didn't have that a quick burst. I think Basham maybe have a you know a, a little bit of a, a higher gear. I don't think he's going to run a 505 uh, in the 40 like Epinesa did. But I think Boogie Basham is going to be more of your physical guy. You know, he has some bend to him. You know, He's not as stiff. He can bend around the edge. Um, you know, pretty easier, you know, easier hips, I would say, than um, you know, AJ Epinesa, but he's not quite as explosive. There were a lot of those uh, quick, you know, uh, I'm sorry, those those uh, those near misses, um, you know, getting after the quarterback. Um, but I think you know he's someone who definitely has some excellent balance and a guy who has the the hips to to be able to turn the corner, can be very disruptive and uh, uses his hands very well, has a very quick arm over. Um, you know, he loves that swim move, getting to the quarterback, um, someone who can arrive in a hurry. You just want to see the explosiveness out of him. He is going to be playing an ACC play for the Demon Deacons. And keep an eye out for Boogie Basham. He's somebody I think can solidify himself as a number two pass rusher this year. Uh, you know, if he can definitely show some of that explosiveness and make sure that, you know, he's not stiff-hipped. I think that's really what hurt uh, Epinesa was that lack of explosiveness, which ultimately hurt his draft stock. Number three on my list, Patrick Jones. Patrick Jones the second out of Pittsburgh, 6'5", 260 pounds. I'll tell you what, Pittsburgh, you know, you're talking about a, a defensive line. Uh, they've got quite a few guys that we'll be talking about here. But Patrick Jones, look, a season ago, 11 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. Uh, this, this is someone who has a, a really good get off the line, able to dip that inside shoulder and turn the corner, flattening out to the quarterback for, for a sack. Uh, did a really good job identifying, all right, if the right tackle is flat-footed, he's able to take that inside path to the quarterback with just a quick arm over. Um, looks to dip it the inside shoulder whenever possible. Uh, but what I really like about him is when he gets even with the quarterback, he's going to work back inside uh, with a quick cha change of direction, that hand usage to get off the block and, and get to the quarterback in a hurry. Uh, you, know, you see him you know, against Miami. Uh, he flattened out to the quarterback, actually ran by uh, the, the quarterback. I think it was Nikosi Perry. Um, able to plant, change direction quickly, and get back for the sack. You know, against North Carolina, there was a screen to his to his side. Able to chase Michael Carter, who himself is a, a pro prospect, chase him all to the, all the way to the sideline. Very athletic, has a nice nice motor. That's something that you really want to see. Um, you know, also show some power. 
uh, you know, 6'5", 260 pounds, you know, against Delaware, showed a really nice long arm, extended that right arm into the right tackle shoulder, drove him up the field, able to then disengage and uh, come through with a, a quick arm over, got to the quarterback, stepping up in the pocket, really threw that right tackle back with one hand, so he showed some nice power in his game as well. Uh, he's somebody to definitely keep an eye on. After that, you know, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, 6'4", 277 pounds, look, 12 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks to go with 50 total tackles. Um, he's got a really nice move where he takes a step to the outside, gets that offensive tackle leaning, then crosses their face and gets back inside. Use that against Iowa on Alaric Jackson, uh, got him really leaning, crossed his face, got back inside, used a quick rip move and a burst to close in on, on Nate Stanley for a sack. Um, you know, also lined up inside, was able to get under the, the center pad level, bull rush back into the lap of the quarterback, then disengage and, and get the sack. You know, this is someone I, I think for a guy his size, he's got pretty good ankle flexion, bending and running the arc, um, uses his, his right hand to control the left arm of the offensive tackle, then swipe and, and, and bend around for the sack as well. Pitches down on run plays, shoots his hand into the offensive tackle, keeps those feet moving, able to keep that inside arm free and wrap up the running back as well. And look, once he gets those hands on you, you're going down. This guy is a pretty powerful individual. Um, you know, against Indiana, came down the line, hit Stevie Scott. You know, big physical running back, and forced a fumble that Michigan was able to recover. Um, you know, so Quiddy Pay is somebody. You know, he he can line up in a in a multitude of, of, of defenses, whether it's a four three or he can also line up as a five technique in a thirty four defense. Stand him up if you want to as an outside linebacker. You know, he can do a little bit of everything. I think that versatility is going to to bode well for him. Now, Xavier Thomas out of Clemson, 6'2", 265. The junior, this is a curious case. He was somebody who really burst onto the scene as a true freshman, freshman All-America. Look, you know, eight and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, so explosive. That quick get-off, beating tackles out of their stance, the tight turn around the corner, flattening out and exploding to the quarterback for huge sacks, you know, really flash plays. You know, against Pittsburgh as a freshman, there was a swing pass to Cadre Olison in the flat. Uh, as a stand-up defensive end, was able to get out to the perimeter and deliver a huge hit on the running back to ultimately force an incomplete pass. Uh, later on, in, you know, in kick cover, was able to drop the kickoff returner at the 11-yard 11, uh, 11 line. Um, you know, very explosive. You know, backside pursuit, chasing down running backs. Has a nice two-hand swipe and then getting up the field in a hurry. Um, what he does really well is when he gets even with that quarterback, plant, get back inside of the tackle uh, to bring down the quarterback. Um, but you wanted to see more from him in 2019. He missed a couple of games, played in just 12 games, and uh, eight tackles for loss, just one and a half sacks. Um, you know, really platooned a little bit with, with Logan Rudolph and, and others at the defensive end position. This is a year for me. I want to see if Xavier Thomas really wants to be in that upper echelon of, of pass rushers in this year's draft. Uh, he's really going to have to have a big year. He's not somebody you know that can just flash. You know, there are other guys that are in this crop that could end up passing him up on the list. Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, 6'6", 278 pounds, the junior, 10 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks to go with 69 tackles. Very, very active. You know, that's one of the things that I just, I loved watching this guy play is you, know, you pair him up with Quiddy Pay, who was a little bit more of the athletic guy, and uh, they were really fun to watch. And, you know, Michigan... Uh, very stout up front. You know they're known with Don Brown's defense to be uh, you know an explosive team, and that's something that you you saw you know time and time and time again. And and I look at this guy, and he reminds me a lot of of, uh, of Aaron Smith. 
uh, at, you know, played for, for Pittsburgh, came out of uh, Northern Colorado. Um, it was a fourth round pick of, of the Steelers who drafted him 109th overall in the 1999 draft. 6'5", 298 pounds. Uh, finished his career with 44 sacks, you know, but really, you know, was known just as a as a you know a five technique and, and was a stalwart there and was a you know he was just a guy who just came out and played and, and played his tail off uh, for the Steelers for for a number of years. And uh, I look at Aiden Hutchinson, you know, not quite as big as as Aaron Smith, but somebody who definitely plays the same way, plays like his hair is on fire, plays you know uh, with excellent effort. The two-hand swipe is something that you see from him, um, you know, attacking those those offensive tackle hands. Those two-hand swipe, very powerful. Then a quick rip, and he's by them and, and getting after the after the quarterback. Uh, you know, bends around a little bit, but you see the excellent effort. Even if he misses the quarterback, he's going to continue to work. You know, uh, quarterback tries to step up, he's going to continue working, continue trying to get to that quarterback, and eventually he's going to get there and bring that quarterback down. So, you know, if if the the back end of that defense, you know, has a, has that cover you know coverage sack, this is someone who's going to always end up you know finding a way to get home and get to the quarterback. You know, against Maryland, pursue backside down the line to the to the sideline to chase down the running back as well. Um, you know, against Alabama, you know uh, there was a screen pass to Devontae Smith. He tracked him down nine yards down the field to bring him down. Um, you know, so excellent effort out of him. He's somebody to keep an eye on. I think there's an ascending prospect there. Somebody that nobody's really talking about is Jaquan Bailey out of out of Iowa State, 6'2", 255 pounds. Uh, you know, this is a guy who. You know, just a year removed from from having a, an eight sack season, 14 and a half sacks. I mean, he has uh, 18 sacks in his career for the Cyclones, but just played in three games in 2019, uh, bit by the injury bug. He's back for his uh, redshirt senior season. Athletic pass rusher, definitely does a good job bending and, and around the edge. Uh, but the vision is one of the things that you definitely see. There was a, a jet sweep against OU, and uh, the Sooners running that jet sweep. He gets up the field, beating the pulling center, Creed Humphrey, who himself is a pro prospect for this year's draft, able to bring down the receiver for a three-yard loss. Um, you know, the speed off the edge. You know, he he was beating the left tackle, Bobby Evans, you know, who's now for the Rams, probably going to end up replacing um, Andrew Whitworth whenever he decides to call it a career. Um, you know, but Jaquan Bailey, definitely an athletic guy, um, excellent hands, um, you know, slapping the uh, the left tackle's hands and uh, uses a good rip move, then can flatten out, chase down the quarterback. You know, he attacks half a man. He's not going to sit there and play the guy head up. He's really attacking that outside shoulder of, of his man. And oftentimes, if he gets the guy leaning, he's going to try to shoot inside. Um, you know, Maybe not be, you know, he's not as athletic as, as some of the top-tier pass rushers, but he's still somebody to keep an eye on in some of those middle rounds. Uh, Tulane's Patrick Johnson, 6'3", 250 pounds. Another guy who you really want to see move up uh, some draft boards. 2018 was a breakout year for him. 14 tackles for loss, 10 sacks. Um, production dropped off quite a bit in 2019. Uh, just four sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. But you know, let's not get it twisted. This is a very athletic guy. You know, he can turn the corner in a hurry. Has very quick hips. Very fluid athlete. Um, does a good job getting his hands under the pad level of the tackle and able to 
drive them back with a with a bull rush to collapse the pocket off the edge. Um, you know, the notes that I have, it pretty much talks about some of the power, and then it talks about his ability to turn the corner with some good hips and, and flattening out in a hurry. Um, you know, against Houston, there was a run play at him. You know, you think, all right, this is a guy 6'3", 250. We don't want to run away from him because he's going to run you down. So they tried to run at him, and he blew up the tight end block and was able to drop the running back for a loss. So you know, Patrick Johnson, someone to keep an eye on there for the green wave of Tulane. Rashad Weaver, Pittsburgh's number 17. I think everyone forgot about this guy. 6'5", 270 pounds. He was known as the pass rusher there for uh, the Pittsburgh Panthers. And uh, you know, 2018 was a, a breakout year for him. 47 tackles, 14 going for loss, six and a half sacks. And then he gets hit by the injury bug in 2019. He's back for his senior year. And this is someone who does a really good job with his hands. He extends those arms into the chest of the right tackle and then uses a rip as he's turning the corner to get by. Um, you know, he's somebody who, another guy who has that, that relentless motor um, against Notre Dame. He was pursuing Ian Book, tried to escape, showed that he was able to stop, start, close on the quarterback and get to him for, for a sack. Another guy, when he gets even with the quarterback getting up the field, he has this patented spin move. And it's one of those things, it's such a quick and tight spin move that the offensive tackles oftentimes don't have much time to really react and, and slide with him. So he's able to get back inside. And if that quarterback is stepping up in the pocket, Rashad Weaver is getting there to make a play. If nothing else, he's going to get hit on the quarterback as he's trying to throw the football. Um, I'm hoping that Rashad Weaver fully recover from the injury. He's somebody to keep an eye out there for Pittsburgh. Then you go to the Pac-12. You know Thomas Booker. You know obviously won't be playing in the fall. Hopefully he'll be getting to play if you know as early as the winter for the Stanford Cardinal. Um, as a sophomore, you know really kind of had a breakout season. 50 tackles showed that he was very productive, uh, very active at the defensive end position. Eight and a half tackles were lost, four sacks. You know he's really playing a a, a five technique there and showed some pass rush ability. Um, someone who can definitely get up the field. Um, tackles for loss, you know, in, in the run game for sure. Um, you know, against Oregon State, did a really good job reading a quick slant, got his hand up to knock the football down. He's somebody that, you know, I, I think was poised for a breakout season here in 2020, and is kind of robbed of that because of, of COVID-19. However, I'm really hoping that the Pac-12 can can play prior to the draft because this is someone who I'm expecting to have a breakout year and could very well move the you know move up draft boards very quickly. A couple of other names to talk about at the defensive end position. I've got William Bradley King. He was at Arkansas State. He's, he's transferred to Baylor for a senior season. 6'4", 248 pounds. You know, at Arkansas State, all he did, you know, 24 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, including eight and a half a season ago. He's going to be really the guy for Baylor. Baylor, look, they lost James Lynch, their all-time leading sack artist. They needed somebody who's going to put pressure out on the quarterback uh, in Big 12 play, getting after the likes of, of Spencer Sanders and Spencer Rattler. Um, you know, and, and this is going to be somebody, if Baylor really wants to challenge for that Big 12 title, William Bradley King's going to have to have a huge year. And then going to the FCS uh, programs, FCS um, canceled their, their season uh, for 2020. Uh, but Romeo McKnight of Illinois State, 6'5", 260 pounds, the Iowa transfer, um, had two years of knee injuries for the Hawkeyes, comes in, and uh, I'll tell you, 2019 was truly a breakout year for him. 64 tackles, very active guy, uh, 60, 16 and a half tackles for loss, 12 sacks. 
uh, very quick, you know, very quick turning the corner, the hip flexibility, somebody who can get low as he's turning the corner, very tight turn, hugging that turn uh, as he's getting around the, the offensive tackle, very quick swim move off the ball. He's another guy who lined up at, at defensive tackle um, on passing downs, beating the guards and would get speed up the field uh, to, to the quarterback. But he also did a really good job, you know, playing backside against the run with chase down running backs to the sideline. And one of the biggest things that I thought was impressive were those violent hands. You know, getting off blocks. You saw him, those hands were very, you know, he would strike and, and that offensive lineman, you could tell that they noticed, you know, that they were, they were getting hit by Romeo McKnight. He's somebody for me that, you know, he's got excellent size. I think he could play, you know, in a multitude of positions. And he's somebody who I think is going to move up draft boards. You know, he's probably sitting there in the fourth, fifth round range right now. But somebody who I think could definitely move up, uh, especially as you get into some of those individual workouts. Will the FCS play in the in the winter or spring? You know, that's uh, you know, still to be determined. But, you know, if, if we are seeing them take the field, he's somebody to definitely keep an eye out for. So now we'll transition to the interior line, the defensive tackles. And I think when you talk about defensive tackles in this year's draft, you have to talk about Marvin Wilson out of Florida State. 6'5", 311 pounds. Uh, someone who you know has really turned into that vocal leader. This is the guy who leads both on and off the field. Look, he was the guy who told you know Mike Norvell that he didn't think he was being honest, and, and somebody who I think was holding the coaching staff accountable there uh, in Tallahassee. And, and look, you know what, what you really want to see out of Marvin Wilson is you know that number twenty-one flashing. Um, you know, and that was really all that you saw was him flashing. You know, on occasion, you want to see it consistently. That consistent motor, play in and play out. Um, you know, for Marvin Wilson a season ago, and I mentioned it in my in my podcast last year. Um, but when you look at, at Marvin Wilson's game, essentially there were two games where he had stellar performances. If you put on the game tape against Louisville or Syracuse. This guy looked like a man beater. You know, against Louisville, he had 10 tackles, three and a half going for loss, and two sacks. And then against Syracuse, six tackles, three going for loss, and two sacks. And essentially, you know, those were what he had, you know, in the remaining seven games in which he played. Marvin Wilson had, what, let's see, three sacks. I'm sorry, no, one sack. And uh, to go with just two tackles for loss in those other games. So not very explosive, you know, just kind of disappeared at times. And frankly, when you saw him out on the field, there were times where he just looked flat out tired. So you wonder about some of the conditioning as well. Does he need to lose some weight to really be able to, to have that motor run at all times? But you know, this was someone, you know, against Louisville, when you watch that game film, this is what he can be. You know, uh, very relentless. You know, kept working to the quarterback, burst up the field to blow up run plays, speed to power. Um, you know, pull, he does a really good job pulling the outside shoulder of the offensive lineman and then ripping through. Uh, very good slap and rip, getting up the field to rush the passer as well. Quickness to beat double teams. Also has the power in his hands. Um, you know, would stand up running backs and just drive them back. Um, and, you know, the power and strength to stand up, you know, the interior lineman off the football. When his pad level stayed low, he was blowing up run plays left and right. But the problem is, is he also tends to lose leverage. When he gets tired, that pad level creeps up. And when that happens, he's easily blockable and he's not getting off the blocks. But you do see him continuing to try to work. So at least, 
you know, it's not something to where, you know, he's not giving the effort. He's still trying. You know, it may just be more of a conditioning thing more than anything else. But that's really one of the things that you worry is production versus potential. And, and that's one of the things that I kept talking about with Rashawn Gary. Uh, you know, Rashawn Gary was the number 12 pick in uh, the 2019 draft uh, you know, of the Green Bay Packers. And when you look at Rashawn Gary as a, a sophomore, he, he had a breakout season. Everybody was raving about Rashawn Gary, and he's the guy to keep an eye on because he was, look, he was the number one prospect there for Michigan when he came in in 2016. Uh, 11.5 tackles for loss, 5.5 sacks as a sophomore, and then he kind of disappeared. Just 38 tackles, 6.5 going for loss, 3.5 sacks, but it didn't matter for the Packers. They ultimately took him with the 12th overall pick, but you still worry, you know, is this somebody whose who's motor is going to run hot and cold? Is, is he going to show up consistently on every down? Um, you know, as a, a rookie in 2019, you know, he played in all 16 games, um, had a total of 21 tackles, had three, three behind the line of scrimmage, three quarterback hits, and just two sacks. You know, I, 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 I think... Really what the Packers are going to need, they're going to need more out of Sean Gary going forward. They need him to play up to the potential because that's the thing. That's what worries me is, is, is the potential going to match, uh, you know, the production or the production match the potential out on the football field. You know, and that's really the same goes for, for Marvin Wilson. But I, I think teams are going to look at him and say, if, if we can motivate this kid, he's going to be uh, a disruptor. Now, the disruptor for me on the on at least rushing the passer in this group is Jalen Twyman. He's down the board on some other people's lists, but I'll tell you what, Jalen Twyman, 6'2", 290 pounds, the junior. Look, he, he's an undersized guy, much like Aaron Donald was coming out of Pittsburgh, but you can't compare him to Aaron Donald, even though he's wearing number 97 like Aaron Donald did at Pitt. Um, you know, when you look at, but you compare the numbers and it's interesting. You know, Aaron Donald as a sophomore, 47 tackles, 16 going for loss, and 11 sacks with four pass breakups, had a forced fumble as well. So then you go to Jalen Twyman, 41 tackles, 12 going for loss, 10 and a half sacks, two pass breakups. You know, this is a guy who the explosiveness, it reminds you a little bit of Aaron Donald. And again, I'm not trying to compare the two. Aaron Donald was just a, a freak of nature and somebody who, look, he's, he's the best defensive player in the game there I said it you know this guy is just a physical specimen um, but Jalen Twyman is somebody that you can't sleep on I think he's gonna end up being a first round pick I think you put him at, at a, a three technique and let him run all day um, second team All-American first team All-ACC you know the speed off the ball beating guys inside off the ball um, but also shows power in his hands so that's some of the, one of the things that's impressive is he has the speed and the power much like Aaron Donald had uh, when he was at Pitt you know, I, I think he slaps the hands aside, uh, shows a really quick swim move to, to clear, and then that burst to close. You know, you don't see a burst like that from defensive tackles very often. Um, you know, I, I thought he also did a really good job, you know, getting his arms, extending his arms into the into the guard, uh, bench pressing him, then using that arm over to get by him, and then that explosiveness again. You know, he was able to to really turn it on and get to the quarterback. The speed to power, driving guys into the backfield, and he pursues the ball backside. Uh, you know, tireless motor, keeps working to the football. That's one of the things that you didn't see it, you know, all the time with Marvin Wilson. 
Now, that's not the case with Jalen Twine, but you're going to see this guy working constantly to get to the football. He's always working to the quarterback. Um, does a really good job playing with leverage. That's one of the things, too, that you really see for him. For a guy that's going to be 6'2 and 290 pounds, you got to play with excellent leverage. Get that pad level down. Um, one of the things that I thought was really impressive against uh, Boston College, there was a screenplay. Offensive lineman released, kind of had a two-hand swipe at the, at the Boston College offensive lineman. Um, as they were starting to release and then was just so quick to the quarterback blew up the play and got the sack before the quarterback even knew what was happening couldn't even you know get a chance to get get the ball to uh, to the back um, you know just the, the hand placement is 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 exceptional the burst is exceptional uh, to me I think Jalen Twyman you want to see him do a little bit more against the run but if he can be that disruptive, you know, as a pass rusher, there's going to be a home there, you know, in the NFL. Look, you know, Geno Atkins is another three technique, you know, who's a little undersized. This guy's been to multiple Pro Bowls, been an All-Pro. I think Jalen Twyman has that type of ability. So as we're looking at this group, there's another guy that I, you know, I have to mention, and that's Christian Barmore out of Alabama. 6'5", 310 pounds, uh, a much hyped prospect, four-star recruit coming to Bama. And this is someone who... Plays with excellent power. I think you see some brute strength working to the quarterback. Has a really strong base. Uh, I don't think he's overly explosive to the ball, but you see some of that that you know com- can convert some speed to power. Uh, picked up uh, a right guard there for Texas A&M and took him kind of off his feet, drove him back a little bit, came off that block to then pressure the quarterback. Um, you know he, he can be a bit reckless. Um, especially with his hands, hit the quarterback in the head, got called for a penalty in, in that game. Um, you know, he can lines up primarily over the nose tackle, could probably also play a, you know, a, a, a three technique, possibly even a five technique. You know, this guy's a tremendous athlete, you know, six, five, three, ten. He, you know, just the measurables remind you a little bit of Javon Kinlaw. I'm going to be curious to see if, if that explosiveness is really what you're going to see from him. You know, I, I didn't think he was that explosive, um, you know, in the last, you know, the last couple of seasons, a little bit that we've gotten to see from him. I want to see that. And when he fires off the ball, what I really love about him is that low pad level. You know, he, he keeps that low pad level and really fires into his man and, and keeps that pad level, you know, uh, low. Wins with leverage, excellent hand usage as well. And uh, somebody who I think is going to really be, uh, if Alabama is going to win the SEC, they're going to have to have a huge year out of Christian Barmore. Moving back to the Pac-12, I think you know USC's Jay Tufele, he's already opted out and said that he's going to go ahead and just focus on the NFL draft. But 6'3", 305 as a sophomore there at SC, um, you know, this was someone who was very explosive. He saw the arm over at, at the line, showed a quick burst, closes in a hurry. Um, I, I think you see the grip strength if you watch the, the Utah game, um, able to grab a hold of, of Tyler Huntley, the quarterback, and pull him down. Um, you know, does a really good job keeping outside contain. Um, you know, gets off the block and able to ultimately bring a run running back down, trying to get to the outside. Very active hands. Um, I think that's one of the things that you really talk about with a lot of these guys is you know the active hands, um, the ability to slap the offensive lineman's hands away. Um, very quick, violent hands though. I think that's one of the things that's really impressive off of him uh, against Oregon, going up against one on one against Panay Sewell, fired low off the ball, kind of looping around. Um, you know, and, and Sewell kind of forced him to the ground, but he kept working under the tackle and ultimately ended up bringing down Justin Herbert. Um, 
you know, as a freshman against Utah, picked up a strip sack, took off 48 yards, and showed some very nimble feet. This is a big dude, 6'3", 305, and he did not look like a 305-pounder uh, taking the ball, you know, to the house. Uh, I think Jay Tufele, an athlete, you want to see some, some power out of him, but I think that athleticism is definitely there. It's rare for a guy his size, and uh, he's somebody who's going to be in that first-round conversation as well. Um, We've gotten through about four or five guys, and we haven't mentioned Tyler Shelvin out of LSU. 6'3", 346 pounds. He's somebody to really keep an eye out for. Um, you know, in coming into last season, had only played in four games for the for the Tigers. Um, and you know, he's somebody who just eats up a lot of space. You know, he's a big, um, big physical nose tackle, a guy who's gonna eat up blocks, you know, he's gonna engulf. Uh, multiple blockers and ultimately allow those linebackers to make plays. Um, I, I don't see him being a Dontari Pope type. There are some people that are talking about him possibly in the top 20 picks. I don't see that. Um, I think he has a chance to be a first rounder as somebody who's going to be that, that force in the middle. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens this year. You know, if he does play, then he's going to be somebody who could definitely improve his draft stock if he can show some athleticism. Um, Levi Amuzurike of, of Washington, 6'3", 293, uh, a kid, look, you know, uh, 16 tackles for loss, seven sacks in his career, showed some pass rush ability on the inside, uh, definitely uh, athletic, shows off some power. Um, I think some of that power gets a little ne- uh, negated by, you know, a high pad level. Sometimes it get a little bit too upright, easily blocked at that point. When he stays low and keeps that pad level low and fires off the ball, you know, this guy can be very explosive, very disruptive because of that athleticism. Shows, like I said, showcases some power as well to drive his man back. But if he's standing upright, you know, then he's basically a, a sitting duck at that point. He's got to keep that pad level low, and I think that's why I don't have him as high on my board as some other people because I want to really see this guy be consistently uh, winning the leverage battle there against the offensive lineman before I can really put him up on, on, on the list. Um, now, now, TJ Slayton, to Daryl Slayton there for Florida, 6'5", 342 pounds, a big, big man. And uh, this is a guy who I think has a chance to just become a beast there in, in SEC play. We've been talking about Tyler Shelvin, but I think Slayton has a chance to be that big nose tackle that everybody's looking for. Um, you know, he, he has the power to hold the point versus double teams, uses his, his hands very well to, to shed the block and, and, and get either get up the field or get after the running back and, and, and make a play on the ball. Uh, does a really good job keeping his feet moving um, against the double team while, while holding his ground as well. Plays with excellent leverage. Um, you know, he's one of those guys, he stays low. Uh, before he fires out of his stance. That, you know, he's low in his stance, and I think that kind of helps him for a guy his size to really fire off the ball and, and win with leverage. Um, I, I think that's really the biggest thing. You know, you see his wingspan that allows him to be disruptive as well. Um, that push up the middle is something that you're definitely going to see. He gets his hands up, knocks passes down. Big physical player. He's somebody to watch out for there in the SEC. Uh, LeBron Ray, I'm hoping that he can get back to, to you know full health in 2018 as a, as a reserve. Um, 39 tackles, six and a half, six going for loss, two and a half sacks. Only played in three games in 2019. He's somebody that I think you know opposite Christian Barmore uh, is, is someone who really is going to have to have a breakout season for them. Six five, 292 pounds. He's somebody who's kind of one of those tweener guys. I think based on ability, he could end up being a day two pick. But um, you know, I think really the injuries, he's going to have to show that he's recovered from those. 
Uh, Dante Stills. Look, the Stills brothers at West Virginia. Look, you've got Darius and Dante Stills, both very athletic. I think Dante Stills is the better pro prospect. 6'3", 295 pounds. Uh, 14 going for loss, eight sacks uh, a season ago. His brother Darius is a nose tackle. Uh, you know, you see him shooting the double team, very violent hands, very disruptive. A guy who shows some pass rush ability as well from the interior of the line. I think another big year from him in the you know in uh, in Big 12 play. And we can see Dante Stills moving up draft boards. Uh, Mustafa Johnson out of Colorado. You know, this is a guy who really burst onto the scene in 2018 as a sophomore. Uh, 52 tackles, 15 and a half going for loss, seven and a half sacks, but got hit with the injury bug a little bit. Only played in eight games, uh, just four and a half sacks on the year. But this is a guy who has an excellent motor, uh, uses his hands, allows him to keep working to the quarterback. Quick burst uh, to beat tackles off the snap because uh, he did play some three technique as well. Um, you know, also does a really good job taking his man up the field, then shoving him to get off balance and shoots back inside to get to the quarterback. Um, someone who I, I think needs to have a, a bounce back season, show everyone that he is 100%. And if he can return to his 2018 form, I think we'll be talking about Mustafa Johnson moving up some draft boards as well. Uh, Quinton Bohanna out of Kentucky, 6'4", 357 pounds. Man, this draft is going to have a lot of big defensive tackles. Uh, Quentin Bohanna is someone to keep, really keep an eye out for, for for Kentucky. Kentucky produces a lot of productive uh, defensive linemen. And Bohanna, look, you know, he's a big dude. He's going to eat up a lot of space. Um, not much of a pass rusher, but a guy who can definitely be stout against the run. Something to keep an eye on there for some of the middle rounds for the draft as well. So we've taken care of the, the line up front. We're going to go ahead and kick outside to the outside backers. And... Uh, I think Micah Parsons, you know, could definitely be here as as the number one outside linebacker. I've actually got him slated inside. The guy can play, he's versatile. He can play either side, you know, either way. Um, but looking at Joe Tryon outside, 6'5", 262 pounds, uh, the, the junior out of Washington. Um, you know, a guy who played defensive end there at Washington at times, put his hand in the dirt. Also played outside linebacker. I think he can play outside outside backer at uh, at the next level. Be very explosive. He's already opted out and will be entering the draft. Uh, 41 tackles, 12 and a half going for loss, eight sacks as a sophomore. Uh, all Pac-12 honors. Um, you see quick arm over to beat the the tackle, uh, get to the quarterback for a sack. Um, very explosive. Again, that swim move and the speed to chase down the quarterback. You know, he has uh, some good power in his hands as well. Um, vision to, to play the play the football against the run. Um, but, you know, I, I'm reading my notes. And, you know, against Boise State and the Las Vegas Bowl, he, he was going up against the right tackle, extended his arms into the tackle, and drove his man all the way back to the quarterback, just showing off his brute strength and bull rush that ultimately flushed the quarterback from the pocket. That speed to power was pretty impressive um, for an outside linebacker. I think Joe Tryon is somebody who, uh, depending on how he runs, you know, he could solidify himself as a first rounder when it's all said and done. But one of my guys you know, that I'm really counting on to have a, a big year there in the Pac-12 play is, is Hamakar Rashad uh, out of Oregon State. Look, 6'4", 236 pounds, very explosive back among um, among the top pass rushers in all of college football a season ago. 22 and a half tackles for loss, 14 sacks. That put him among uh, the nation's best. You know, he, he liked to line up a lot at, at wide nine technique. Uh, very quick out of his stance. Very easy running the arc, running around the tackles. Um, you know, and even when he was a non-factor 
you know, early on in the game. Um, this was somebody who was always looking to uh, make a play. And all he needed was one play to get going, and that would really ignite him for the rest of the game. Um, you know, and as an example, case in point, I was watching the Arizona State game, uh, non-factor in the first quarter, but then he, he did a really good job. He timed the snap count, beat the right tackle off the ball, turned the corner in a hurry. You know, those hips very quick, uh, flattened out to the quarterback, got to the quarterback. That was his 11th sack of the season. It was a Beaver record, and uh, you know, the rest was history. He was off and racing. You know, read the swing pass, Eno Benjamin flew downhill. Um, after sliding with the running back into the flat, wrapped him up in the open field. Does a really good job chasing the back to the to the sideline as well. Um, starts outside, but uses his hands to get back inside. Keeps his balance on cut blocks and then able to, to then close on the quarterback. He's an athlete. He's undersized, so he'll struggle to get off some blocks. But he's very, very explosive. Somebody to really keep an eye on as a pass rusher moving forward. As is Chris Rumpf out of Duke. 6'3", 225 pounds. The junior, look, 13 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. A lot of people are really talking this kid up as the the truth, as the the top outside linebacker in the draft. I'm not going that far just yet. I want to see a big year out of him, much like Rashad did in 2019, that can really put him on the map. But I, I think the athleticism, the you know, the the raw ability, the length, uh, the speed coming off the edge. He's somebody that's definitely going to have eyes on him in ACC play. Look, he's going up against Notre Dame. He'll have his chance against uh, Liam Eichenberg and Robert Hainsey there for Notre Dame. If he can get to the quarterback, if he can get to Ian Book, you know, against uh, you know veteran offensive line like the, the, the Notre Dame is putting out on the field, people are really going to start taking notice of, of Chris Rumpf. And we'll be talking about that you know in next week's podcast, I'm sure. Uh, Joseph Asai out of Texas. Look, 6'4", 235 pounds, explosive, explosive linebacker. Uh, this was a guy, you know, 13 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, but he was all over the field. 90 tackles, had a couple of interceptions. Um, you know, a guy who just always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Pretty physical dude. A guy that can play in space. Uh, not just a guy who's going to get after the quarterback. Does a little bit of everything. Um, plays very well behind the line of scrimmage against the run. He's somebody that's that's very intriguing at the, the outside linebacker position. If nothing else, he's going to be a great day two steal. Uh, D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky, 6'4", 230 pounds. We're going to get to see him this year as well. And this is somebody who um, has just gotten better and better each year for Western Kentucky. I mean, you know, this past season, 99 tackles, 20 and a half going for loss, 11 sacks, and that puts him 18 and a half for his career. Look, yes, he's undersized. Yes, he's going to struggle to get off some blocks. Um, I'd like to see him bulk up a little bit. Um, but he reminds me a little bit of, of Brian Burns in that, you know, I mean, really a lot of these guys, you know, both he and, and Chris Rump. But, uh, you know, D'Angelo Malone can be a linebacker. Um, you know, can played defensive end though for for Western Kentucky and somebody who I think you know if he can show up and if he's put on some weight I haven't seen anything about him just yet but if he can put on a little bit more weight Brian Burns ended up bulking up to 250 plus but you know that that athleticism coming off the edge and uh, you know that ankle flexion able to turn the corner in a hurry with those those uh those quick hips, that hip flexibility as well. D'Angelo Malone is not just a pass rusher. He's not just somebody who's going to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's a volume tackler as well. So he's one of those athletes that can make plays all over the field. And, uh, you know, I think he, he's not going to be a first-round pick, I don't think. But um, definitely somebody that's going to be, I think, is going to end up being a steal on day two. Quincy Roche, 
Temple. Moving on to Miami, Florida as a grad transfer, 6'4", 235 pounds. You know, somebody who, you know, for, for Temple, I think every single year just continued to get better and better. The confidence, you know, you just saw it started to ooze out of this guy. 39 and a half career tackles for loss, 26 sacks, six pass breakups, including five a season ago. Uses his long arms to his advantage. But this guy, the, the get off. The get-off is, is one of the, the fastest among the, this entire crop of, of, uh, of pass rushers. And, you know, it has that elite speed coming off the edge. You know, he, he puts his hand in the dirt. He's another guy that could benefit from, you know, a good 15, 15 to 20 pounds um, to be a Brian Burns type. But I think probably what's going to end up happening is you, you stand him up, you play him outside and allow him to, you know, just you know, pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. He's a, a fun guy to watch. It'll be interesting to see him now in, in ACC play. Moving from the American Athletic Conference to the ACC, going to be interesting to see what he can do against uh, the likes of, of, uh, of Trevor Lawrence and Clemson and some of the other um, teams there in the ACC. Uh, you know, Baron Browning out of Ohio State, look, 6'3", 248 pounds. You know, he, he was somebody who was kind of the, the fourth linebacker, if you will, for the Buckeyes. But he's going to get a starting role this year. And, you know, this is an off, man, this this line, the, the linebacking crew of, of Pete Werner and, and Tuff Borland and, and Baron Browning. That's going to be one of the best linebacking cores in the country. Baron Browning uh, has some pretty good instincts, uh, can get after the quarterback, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. Look, you know, when you have your, your fourth linebacker make, you know, uh, 43 tackles, uh, 11 behind the line with five sacks. Um, you know, a guy who can make plays sideline to sideline, can drop into coverage a little bit as well. Um, he's somebody who I, I think, you know, the versatility is something that surprises people. He's not just the guy who's going to rush the passer. You know, he can make, make plays in the running game and uh, in coverage. Going back to the Pac-12, uh, kid out of Utah, Devin Lloyd, 6'3", 235 pounds. This junior... Um, you know, it was very explosive for, for the Utes. 11, 11 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, 91 tackles. Look, he took a, a, an interception, 64 yards for a touchdown uh, th- this past season. Wasn't much of a factor as a freshman, only played in three games, but as a sophomore, man, this guy was playing, you know, with his hair on fire. Um, and somebody who I, I think you, you've got to just keep an eye out for for Devin Lloyd. You know, he's, he's another guy. If he can put together, uh, continue to develop some of the pass rush skills, um, you know, he's a little bit lean, you know, uses that speed to his advantage, pretty good hand usage, attacks the, the, the lineman's hands as he's turned in the corner. Um, but I want to see him develop a little bit more power to his game. And if he can do that, then I think he's going to really open some eyes. Um, you know, I think the last couple of guys, we got a couple of six, seven guys here at the bottom of my list. Uh, here in the top 10, Charles Snowden out of Virginia and uh, Ellerson Smith out of Northern uh, Northern Iowa. Now, Charles Snowden, 6'7", 240 pounds, a guy that, you know, you look at the wingspan, you look at his ability to run, 20 and a half career tackles for loss, had a couple of interceptions in 2018. Um, th- this is, you know, again, a very athletic dude, has uh, tremendous length, uh, repeatedly collapsed the pocket uh, against Clemson, you know, when they played in the, in the ACC championship. Um, a guy, though, who I think struggled to get off blocks at times because of his size, that pad level, if he was rushing the quarterback, he struggled at times uh, with that, but has the speed to get to the perimeter against the run, uses his length to set the edge um, as well. That blitz, like I said, coming off the edge, can use that length to his advantage at times to, to really get off blocks, really extend his arms into that tackle's 
uh, you know, chest plate and really extend it into the body and make sure that you know, that offensive lineman's not getting hands on him. When you lose use that length, you know, if, if he can really develop a nice uh, long arm, extend those arms into into uh, that offensive tackle and shove him aside and then get to that quarterback. He has the explosiveness to get there. It's just he, he's one of those guys that you know, wor- you know worries me a little bit with, with the pad level at times. And, uh, you know, against Virginia Tech, man, he got fooled on the zone read. Uh, gave chase for a few yards before realizing that the quarterback had pulled it uh, for a 34-yard touchdown. Um, so he actually chased down the running back and then ultimately had to turn and look that, and up, I got fooled. Um, so, you know, I think some of that awareness is another thing that, that worries me just a little bit. You know, I, I thought, you know, he... I was expecting more of a jump, more of a leap in 2019. 2018, look, he also had eight pass breakups. So he was the guy who was making plays in coverage. I thought he got, he looked a little lost at times um, as a junior. I'm really looking for a bounce back year for him in in, in 2020. Um, and then Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa, um, 6'7", 245 pounds, actually added 45 pounds to his frame. And, and he plays defensive end, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves outside to an outside linebacker position. But man, 2019, this dude was so explosive. I mean, he uses that length. Another guy who uses his length to, to his advantage. Um, you know, Not only did he get to the quarterback 14 times for the sack, but also have 14 quarterback hits. Um, you know, not just pressures, but he was actually getting to the quarterback and, and hitting the quarterback. Had a couple of block kicks, five forced fumbles. So that length uh, is definitely he's using that to his advantage. Look, oh, I didn't mention that he also had 21 and a half tackles for loss to go with 63 tackles. Very, very active athlete. You know, he, he's playing in the FCS, uh, but somebody who I think can definitely move up draft boards. Especially, you know, you want to see how he runs at the combine. You know, I think he's somebody who could definitely, you know, he can definitely play at the next level. Give you a couple of more guys to keep an eye out for. Amen Ogbong Bamiga out of Oklahoma State, 6'1", 235 pounds. A guy, you know, he was a 100 uh, tackle guy a season ago for the Pokes, 15 and a half tackles for loss. Um, you know, a guy who I think has some pretty good range. Um, I want to see him get after the quarterback a little bit more. He had five sacks, um, but a guy who was more of a volume tackler, a guy who can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, shooting in, being very disruptive against the run. But I'd like to see him you know, showcase a little bit more of the pass rush skills. Did pick off a pass a season ago, but also want to see him, you know, his, his ability to drop into coverage just a little bit before I move him up my draft board a little bit. Um, you know, Christian Ellis, the son of Luther Ellis, um, you know, who played at uh, played his college ball at Utah, then went on to Detroit Lions. Uh, Christian is 6'3", 233 pounds, playing for Idaho. Uh, a kid, 216 total tackles, including 104 a season ago. 18 and a half tackles for loss. All four and a half of his sacks were last last year. Very athletic linebacker. He's probably the best outside linebacker, uh, arguably in FC, uh, FCS play. And uh, he has the bloodlines. He plays with excellent effort. A guy who plays with his hair on fire. Um, he's somebody to definitely keep an eye out for. Hopefully the FCS will get to play in the winter. If not, to keep an eye out for him. You know, potentially, they, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the FCS. If they're going to allow another year of eligibility, could they come back and play for another year? Or are these guys going to opt for the draft? And that's something that you know is still to be determined. One more name to keep an eye out for, Willie Eubanks II. Uh, very athletic linebacker, 6'2", 230 pounds, out of the Citadel. Uh, you know, a guy who showed off some, some very good uh, athleticism. You know, I, I thought he could make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, 
you know, can drop into coverage a little bit, get after the quarterback, had 10 quarterback, uh, quarterback hurries uh, to go along with uh, six and a half tackles for loss last year, 85 tackles, but uh, just an, uh, a really good athlete, a guy who plays well in space. And I think that's one of the things that really jumps off the film when you're watching him play. Moving to the inside linebackers, I mentioned Micah Parsons. And look, Micah Parsons is not going to be playing in, in 2020 or 2021. Um, he's opted out. 6'3", 245 pounds, junior. I think he solidified himself as a as a top 10 pick, possibly even into the top five. You know, 109 tackles a season ago, 14 going for loss, five sacks, five pass breakups, four forced fumbles as well. Uh, this was a dude who just, you know, he couldn't be blocked. He was all over the field, playing sideline to sideline, very relentless, pursuing the ball carrier, very decisive, a read and react type of a guy, um, able to get to the outside in a hurry, the vision to, to locate the football and, and really process things very quickly. I, I think, you know, I look at my notes for every game, very active it is listed on every single one of these. If you wanted to rush the passer, you could do it. Against Michigan, swatting the hands of Jalen uh, Mayfield, chasing down Shea Patterson trying to flee the pocket um, you know Shea Patterson tries to run the ball able to get to the edge and, and drop him you know on the perimeter uh, after just a short gain um, you know against Ohio State he met J.K. Dobbins in the hole and as he's trying to spin away strip the ball free um, you know against Indiana you know he, he showed some ability you know in, in coverage tight end out uh, to the near side, able to get outside. You know, this is a play at the three-yard line, able to hit the, the, the tight end shy of the, the pylon and force the football out of bounds. You know, really you know, made a nice hit right there on the football. Um, have another note here against Ohio State. He was being blocked by Jonah Jackson. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins tried to spin away and uh, able to, to strip the football and, and ultimately, you know, we, uh, you know, the Penn State and Nittany Lions were able to recover uh, that football um, you know, a guy who, again, you know, the, the range getting to the sideline um, does a pretty good job setting the edge against the run when needed. But a guy who's just going to, you know, he plays all over the field. That sideline to sideline ability, um, you know, reads the quarterback's eyes really well on slants, able to jump the routes, um, you know, gets inside out in a hurry. And that acceleration is really what you, you know, what's you know so, so impressive as well. You know, Devin White, somebody that I, I think of, and his ability, you know, he just moved up draft boards and ended up the number five overall pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Micah Parsons moving into the top five wouldn't be out of the question. So the next couple of guys, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of bunched together. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame, 6'2", 216 pounds, arrived on the scene as a, as a JUCO transfer. The junior, uh, 80 tackles, 13.5 for loss, 5.5 sacks, 4 pass breakups, a couple of forced fumbles as well. Um, you know, he's an undersized guy, but, you know, someone who has, plays with excellent range. And, uh, you know, he, he pursues the football sideline to sideline. Um, you know, I, I think what he has, though, is, is an ability, you know, that stop and start ability. You know, he's able to plant, change directions in a hurry, and you know, he, he, there's no real wasted movement with this guy. He's also very, you know... Uh, a textbook tackler, excellent in the open field, a guy, you know, helmet to the hip and driving through the ball carrier. There's another play against BC, swing pass to the running back. He came downhill, put his helmet right on the thigh pad of, of the running back, just 
that textbook tackling that you really want to see out of your linebackers. Um, you know, he can drop into coverage, taking on the tight end. Um, you know, does a good job beating blocks when needed as well. Um, you know, I think he, he definitely does a good job reading uh, his keys, uh, getting off blocks. And uh, you know, because he's undersized, he, he, ha- he can be susceptible to getting blocked and, and not being able to get off of a block. But, you know, the instincts are absolutely there. Very quick to read and react. Against Virginia Tech, you know, he was uh, playing the tight end deep in the back of the end zone, was able to elevate and knock the football away. Very versatile linebacker. I'd like to see him put on a little bit of weight, uh, but definitely someone who I think could be a, a day-two guy. Uh, Dylan Moses out of Alabama, 6'3", 235 pounds. Look, everyone was talking about him taking the step in 2019 and really being that guy who was going to be a first-round um, inside linebacker. But, uh, you know, he, he tears his knee up in 2019 and uh, he opted to come back for one more year. So he's going to be the guy in the middle for Bama. And, you know, when you think of Bama, you think of all the, the linebackers from, you know, uh, Rolando McClain to uh, you know, Courtney Upshaw to Dante Hightower. You know, I think the list really goes on and on with all of the linebackers there um, that have played for Bama. Um, you know, Ryan Anderson's another guy that comes to mind. And, uh, you know, Dylan Moses, I think you know, he was well on his way to being a first-round linebacker. But I think, you know, he really has to prove that he's back from that knee, um, that he is 100%. And, you know, I think, you know, in, in, as a sophomore, he had a, he had a good season. I don't think it was a great season. 86 tackles, 10 coming for loss, three and a half sacks. He, he's somebody to me that... Um, I think he has to prove things a little bit, you know, in order for me to really say, yes, this is going to be somebody who can, can potentially be a first round pick. I think right now I've got him slotted in day two until he can really show me something. Um, now, Jabril Cox, North Dakota State, moves on to LSU as a grad transfer, 6'3", 233 pounds. This dude, former high school quarterback, you, you turn on the film, I mean, it's just a highlight reel after, you know, highlight reel watching this guy play. Um, his ability dropping into coverage does an excellent job reading the quarterback's eyes. Um, you know, undercutting, outbreaking routes. Um, you know, this is a guy who returned two touchdowns, you know, two picks, four touchdowns uh, in 2018, have four interceptions, um, 18 total pass breakups in his career. Uh, also can get after the quarterback, 14 sacks, uh, 32 tackles for loss, you know, 258 total tackles. Um, you know, a, a guy who has excellent range you know just flies flies around to the football but you know i think it's those eyes and coverage you know, against south dakota read the quarterback eyes um you know it really allowed him to take him to the football and uh made a pick over the middle um you know and then against uh delaware undercut another route for a pick six um in that same game also showed the ability to blitz off the edge and get to the quarterback for a sack um tremendous athlete you know and when you talk about lsu you're talking about the patrick queens you're talking about the devin whites uh, the duke riley's there's so many lsu linebackers and it's going to be fun to see what jabril cox can do dave aranda is not there um, at lsu and and so that's going to be interesting to see you know what can be done there but i think jabril cox if he has a big big year at lsu much like patrick queen he could find himself in round number one now, Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina is an interesting kid. Um, you know, started his career with the Tar Heels as a quarterback, um, you know, which you know is, is is pretty crazy. You know, as a as a freshman, 
know, he, he completed 58.5% of his passes, just over 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions on the year. Um, you know, in, in 2018, played in just one game, decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and move over to the defensive side of the football and, and playing inside backer. Man, this kid was all over the field. Moves well laterally. You know, he's just a tremendous athlete. Um, trusts his eyes. You know, that's one of the things that you know I can definitely say. You know, when he drops into coverage, um, you know, does a good job reading the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I thought his ability to blitz, you know, and get after the quarterback a little bit, running through running back blocks uh, on the edge to get to the get to the quarterback. But look, volume tackler, 15, 115 tackles. 15 coming behind the line of scrimmage, six and a half sacks. You know, I think his ability, uh, you know, his quarterback play, much like Jabril Cox, you know, I think that really helps them as linebackers to diagnose plays quickly, read those keys, and react. And, and you know, he already knows what the quarterback's thinking oftentimes uh, when he gets under center, when he's in shotgun, you know, surveying the field. And, and so he's able to make some of those plays. He's somebody, another ascending prospect, he's only going to get better. I think we're just scratching the surface of what Chaz Surratt can do. Ernest Jones out of South Carolina, 6'2", 235 pounds, the junior. Nobody's really talking about this kid, but look, his emergence put T.J. Brunson on the bench. T.J. Brunson was no slouch um, at backer. He was an all-SEC linebacker. Uh, this is a kid who has excellent range inside out, instinctive, can drop into coverage a little bit as well, has five pass breakups in 2019, 97 tackles. Um, a guy who, again, is just going to continue to get better and better. Um, you know, somebody to really keep an eye out there, you know, for, for the Gamecocks. Uh, Pete Warner, I mentioned him earlier out of Ohio State, 6'3", 239 pounds, a very versatile guy. This is someone who um, can play the run, can drop into coverage a little bit. Um, he is one of those guys, you know, he needs to, to watch himself. You know, he, he wants to keep his eyes in the backfield. And when he does that, he's gotten beaten more than on more than one occasion. When he played against Michigan, tight end uh, ran by him up the seam for 41 yards. But, you know, he's just a... Uh, just a good football player, man. A guy who's just going to make plays all over the field. Uh, he can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, not much of a pass rusher, but a guy who, again, is going to play in space. You know, he's going to drop into coverage for you, and just a smart football player. Player, very intelligent uh, player at that. Monty Rice out of Georgia, 6'1", 235 pounds. A lot of people were thought, you know, he was going to come out after the 2019 season, um, but he opted to come back. And this is somebody who, for me, there was a team captain for, for the Bulldogs, you know, a guy who can can blitz, get after the quarterback. Um, but, you know, somebody, you know, if you watch that, that SEC championship against LSU, uh, you know, he, he blitzed, got downhill, but was, wasn't able to drop Joe Burrow, who ultimately t- took off for 18 yards. Wrapped up Clyde's, Clyde Edwards-Alaire later on in the game in space, but got dragged for another another four yards. To me, he's, he's somebody who can be very active. He's around the football, can make some plays, but uh, I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger, uh, be a little bit more physical. Um, you know, I, I think he's, he's athletic. He can shoot, shoot gaps, you know, make plays um, you know, against the run. But I, I just I want to see him you know, elevate his game, be a little bit more dynamic of a player, make more of those wow plays, especially behind the line of scrimmage. You know, he's only, uh, you know, only has six and a half tackles for loss of one sack in his career uh, at Georgia. And he's somebody, look, you know, he only played in eight games as a freshman, nine as a, as a sophomore. Um, you know, I, I think for him now, now is going to be the time for him to really turn it on um, if he's going to be anything more than a mid-round pick. 
A couple more names to mention. Merlin Robinson, uh, Robertson out of uh, Arizona State, 6'3", 251, a thumper there. Um, somebody who uh, is very active for, for the Sun Devils. He's the leader of that defense. You know, a single-digit player um, that you see uh, at middle linebacker. Look, he's a big, thick dude, a guy who, who loves to, to shoot gaps and, and plug some holes. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards has a guy who's, you know, he's going to be the, the unquestioned leader uh, whenever the Sun Devils do get to play in Pac-12 play. Uh, Nick Bolton out of Missouri, six foot, 235 pounds, uh, over 100 tackles a season ago, seven pass breakups as well. You know, a kid who can drop into coverage, uh, very instinctive, you know, trusts his eyes. He does a really good job reading the quarterback, uh, quick to react on, on the run plays. And, uh, you know, a kid who, look, you know, he can make plays um, around the football. Uh, someone who I think could be a, an ascending prospect and can continue to move up some draft boards. Um, KJ Britt out of Auburn, six foot two thirty six, very athletic guy. Uh, Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin, 6'2", 232 pounds. You know, a guy who I think came on at the end of the twenty nineteen season. You know, only a junior, he can end up coming back to the Buckeyes. I'm sorry, to the Badgers. Um, you know, had three interceptions as well uh, to go along with, with 80 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. He's the linebacker in Big Ten play that nobody's talking about, but he should be on everybody's radar. And then Patty Fisher. You know, this guy going into the 2019 season was really expected to be a first-round prospect. Then Northwestern had really a dismal season in 2019. Nobody really had a great year. And uh, you know, suddenly he's the forgotten man in this linebacking group. 6'4", 246, um, back-to-back tackles, you know, 110-plus tackles, uh, made some plays behind the line of scrimmage as well, dropped into coverage a little bit, um, you know, still had a decent season in, in 2019, had 88 tackles, six going for loss, a sack, an interception, a couple of pass breakups, um, but it just, it, you know, he looked a step slow. You know, and, and that's really the thing that worries you a little bit about you know, Patty Fisher is, is he going to be able to handle the, the speed of the NFL game? And that's really the big question right now, I think, you know, when you watch you know, Patty Fisher uh, whenever the Big Ten does get to play. Uh, you know, we get into the cornerbacks. You, know, you look at Sean Wade out of Ohio State. Uh, 6'1", 194 pounds. The junior um, could have come out after his 2019 season, decided to, to come back for one more year. I thought that was a good idea. 14 pass breakups, four interceptions in his career. The guy who can play corner, he can play safety, he can line up in the slot. Um, really want to see him play on the outside as the guy. You know, the, Jeffrey Akuda isn't there. He's going to be the number one corner Um you know, and, and I think you know this is an instinctive guy, a guy who is very, you know, not only is he versatile, but a guy who does a really good job, um, you know, mirroring uh, his man. Has excellent, uh, some long arms, and, and does a really good job making plays on the football. Patrick Sertan, um, you know, this is a kid who, you know, he, he's he's got much, you know, he, he's much bigger than than his dad was. I think his dad was only you know five ten playing for the Dolphins. And Patrick uh, Sertan the second, 6'2", 203, a guy who just sticks like glue to uh, to receivers. You know, a guy you know has tremendous length, has absolutely you know great size. 
uh, 15 pass breakups in his career, four forced fumbles. The guy who just has a nose for the football. Um, teams, you know, would benefit. You know, would really it would behoove them to throw away from Patrick Sertan. You know, throw Josh Job's way. You know, if if uh, you know, if if you really want to think about trying to complete a pass against Bama this year. Uh, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, 6'2", 207. This guy can end up being the number one corner in this year's draft. Six interceptions in his career, 19 pass breakups as well. You know, guy who's opted out of the the 2020 season to enter the NFL draft. You know, guy who, uh, you know, against Boston College, I thought there was a great tape. Um, you know, running stride for stride with the receiver. Uh, the receiver shows his hands late. And I think at that point, he attacked the ball, attacked the receiver's hands, able to make a play on the football without even turning his, you know, his head to lo- locate the football. He's big. He's physical. Um, he does a really good job, you know, playing on the receiver's hip, you know, especially coming over the middle to then, you know, extend his arm and, and make a play on the football. Um, does a really good job. Um you know, when the ball sails and goes high, times his jump very well, can elevate and make a play on the football. Uh, stop routes. Man, you saw it time and time again against North Carolina, against Wake Forest. Receivers will run a stop route. No wasted movement. Drives on the route in a hurry. Arrives to undercut the football and either break up the pass or you know, get a hand in and knock it away. Or if the receiver does complete the pass, there's no yak because this guy is going to be a sure, you know, sure tackler when it's all said and done. Uh, Paulson Adebo out of Stanford, 6'1", 190 pounds. Kid who really burst on the scene for Stanford. Um, had four interceptions, 17 pass breakups. I think that was the thing that everyone was just, they were stunned. You know, this was a kid who was a four-star receiver and they, they moved him to corner and, and the kid was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and uh, you know, he's somebody who just... Has, has a knack and you know, he runs the route oftentimes better than the receiver because he, he has those receiver instincts and, and he's someone who you know he closes quickly on the football does a really good job getting his hand in to affect the pass uh, blanket coverage especially on comebacks no wasted movement there um, you know, he, he is one of those guys who um, you know because he's so new to the position he will get fooled on double moves um, you know I think he gets aggressive at times misses some tackles um, but look, you know, he's, he's an excellent talent and somebody who's just going to continue to get better and better. Uh, Elijah Molden out of Washington, man, you want to talk about a breakout year in 2019, 5'10", 180 pounds. This is going to be your, your slot corner. I mean, this kid, uh, four interceptions a season ago, 12, uh, pass breakups against Boise state. There was a, a screenplay, jumped the route for an interception, um, lined against lined up against a receiver in the slot. You know, drill quickly on an out route, um, you know, to make a play on the ball as well. Um, you know, a kid who you know just has has tremendous instincts, a tremendous burst. Um, you know, and he plays bigger than his size. You know, I think that's really the big thing that you see out of Elijah Molden. Um, South Carolina has a duo of, of corners. You have J.C. Horn, 6'1", 200 pounds, out of the junior. He's really the guy to me that um, you know has 17 pass breakups. Been a little bit more productive than uh, than Israel Mukwamu, the 6'4". Very rare that you see a corner who's 6'4", 205. Um, this is a guy who you know I, I thought was impressive against T. Higgins. Did a really good job attacking his hands. Um, going up with the receiver to, to make a play on the football. Um, but this is also someone who, you know, take the good with the bad when you're watching Mukawamu. Um, you know, against Higgins later on, bit on a post, on this post corner. Um, you know, it was really crazy. 
you know, he really went to the inside and then the receiver was wide open back outside on the corner. And uh, you know, he, he he was so far out of position. It was a big play there by, by Higgins. Um, tried to force uh, Justin Ross out on press coverage, but uh, Ross reestablished himself, ultimately able to ha- haul in a pass for 30 yards. It gets a little bit handsy at times, so you, you worry about that a little bit, but you're definitely someone who can make a play on the football. Uh, four interceptions this past season. Now, J.C. Horn, I think, it was a, is a, a better, you know, more technically sound corner, a guy who, you know, he's, he's big, has good size, and uh, reminds you, you know, when you watch him play, to me, I, I think a little bit more of Patrick Sertan in his game. He's somebody that I think is going to surprise people in 2020. Um, after that, you got Eric Stokes out of Georgia, um, big uh, corner, 6'1", 185 pounds, very quick, athletic guy, um, two undersized uh, corners in Asante Samuel Jr., uh, much like his dad, you know, a guy who can make plays on the football, 23 career pass breakups, 5'10", 180 pounds, uh, Diamador Lenore out of Oregon. 5'11", 202, um, another guy who I think can be a, a slot corner, um, you know, can be that nickel uh, at the next level. And then Marco Wilson out of Florida. So this is a kid who I think is, is going to take his game, elevate his game in uh, in 2020. He's going to be the guy there on the outside for the Florida Gators. And, um, you know, someone who definitely has the athleticism, can, can attack the football at the catch point, um, can do a really good job, you know, elevating, um, but he needs to be a little bit more consistent. And when you look at this cornerback position, there are a bunch of other guys. Cody Durer out of Minnesota, Thomas Graham out of Oregon, uh, you know, Darian Kendrick out of Clemson, Chase Lucas of Arizona State, Tyson Campbell of Georgia, Josh Joe of Alabama, KJ Sales out of South, uh, South Florida. You played at North Carolina, moved to South Florida. He's a kid that uh, you know people aren't talking about, but someone to keep an eye out for for the the USF Bulls. Uh, DiCaprio Boodle may be the best name in all of college football. 21 pass breakups, unfortunately no picks, so you kind of worry about the big playability. Mike Hampton of South Florida looking to redeem himself in 2020. He had a great 2018 campaign. I thought you know he you know the tape really um, messed with him a little bit there in, in, in 2019. He's looking to redeem himself. Amory Thomas out of Michigan, he's opted out. He's not going to be playing, but you know this is a guy, a veteran. Uh, presence there for uh, for Michigan. I think he's somebody who has a chance to be a, a day two pick. Um, and if you're looking at a couple of SCS guys, Cordell Jackson out of Austin P, 5'11", 163 pounds, 25 pass breakups, 10 interceptions in his career. Uh, Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas, 6'2", uh, 176. Um, and uh, I think that's actually who North Dakota State is playing later on uh, in this season. But Someone who had 10 interceptions to his credit as well. Um, someone who uh, has the length to compete with some of the the uh, NFL receivers. 35 pass breakups as well. And then Devin Taylor of Illinois State. 6'1", 200. Another guy with excellent size. And uh, someone who can definitely make plays on the football. So those are our corners, which takes us to our safeties. And that's going to be the last part of our, our defense and uh, Javon Holland has to be the guy, uh, first and foremost, 6'1", 196 pounds, out of Oregon. Um, as a sophomore, man, this guy did a little bit of everything. Um, you know, Four interceptions, took one of those for the house, had another four pass breakups, 66 tackles, and then as a kick returner, you know, pump returner extraordinaire. This was a guy who was, you know, had 15.3 yards per, per pump return. 
uh, for the Ducks. Very explosive player, a guy who can play over the top, has excellent ball skills. Uh, some people look at his tape and say, ah, no, this guy's a player. He's a player on the back end, can get up there you know, on the line of scrimmage when needed, has excellent range over the top. Another guy who has excellent range is, is, is Trevon Morig out of uh, TCU, 6'2", 203, excellent size, four interceptions, uh, 11 pass breakups. You know, this is a guy you know who has excellent cover skills as a safety. That's something that really jumps off the tape for you. He's somebody that's going to be in the conversation for the top safety, as is Andre Sisco, another guy who plays well over the top, plays well in space, six foot two oh three, very instinctive uh, safety, twelve interceptions, including seven as a true freshman. Uh, his is a uh, All American freshman All American season, uh, fourteen pass breakups. This is a kid who you know just has tremendous uh, ball skills. I think that's one of the things that jumps off the film uh, when you watch him play. Uh, Caden Stern, 6'1", 205. Had a tremendous freshman year, uh, freshman All-American year, uh, bit by the injury bug, played in only nine games in 2019. He, he's the leader of that secondary, unquestioned leader of the secondary for the Texas Longhorns. Um, he needs to have a bounce back year. If he's going to be mentioned in the conversation, there's so many safeties at the top of this list who are really breathing down his neck. Uh, Jacoby Stevens out of LSU, 6'228 pounds. pounds. He may end up having to move to outside linebacker um, to really get time out on the field. Look, this is a converted receiver. He played wide receiver as a freshman in 2017. All he does in 2019, man, you know, he, he uh, made all kinds of plays. You know, he had 92 tackles, uh, had five sacks, three interceptions, six pass breakups. You know, he made plays all over the field. You know, against Clemson in the national title game, set the edge on the perimeter versus a, versus a, a Trevor Lawrence on a run play, ultimately ended up with a tackle for loss. Um, very, very physical safety. Thought he, you know, was one of the more penalized um, defensive players there on uh, on LSU. But uh, a guy who, like I said, he, he's instinctive. He makes plays all over the all over the field. You know that that receiver skill set that he brings to the safety position allows him to to make you know quick reads and react to the to the play. Uh, Richard LeCount, Georgia, 5'11", 190 pounds. Um, this is a, a kid who plays well, um, you know, over the top. I think he's always around the ball, you know, coming, you know, playing over the top. Comes downhill in a hurry. That's one of the things. He's a heat-seeking missile, uh, taking a- excellent angles uh, on run plays, especially if they string him out, get to the sideline. This is someone who's going to come in and clean things up, uh, coming with uh, bad intentions, coming downhill. And shoot through off the edge to the running back in the backfield. Um, you know, able to you know show some some cover skills as well on outbreaking routes, can cover them stride for stride. Um, you know, did a really good job. Um, you know, with some hand fighting against a couple of receivers to force the ball free as well. Um, in the box, you know, can come up and uh, you know and, and make some plays on the football as well. He's somebody to, to keep an eye out there, you know, eye for, for for Georgia. Georgia, look, you know, you got Tyson Campbell, you got Eric Stokes, and you've got Richard LeCount, one of the best groups uh, in the secondary in the nation. USC's got a pretty good safety as well. Talanoa Hufanga, 6'1", 220 pounds. 
Uh, 90 tackles despite only playing in 10 games, 7.5 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks. This is a guy who, you know, he had a couple of games, a couple of double-digit tackle games, and he just flies around to the football with reckless abandon. He doesn't really care about his body. He's going to just, he's going to arrive at the football. He's going to make some plays. He's going to be all around the football all the time. But this was someone who injured, uh, I think it was his right shoulder first, and then ultimately injures his left shoulder uh, trying to, you know, compensate for for the injury or, or what have you, um, but a guy who just really sacrifices his body. The biggest concern that I have for him, frankly, is is, is he going to be able to to keep himself healthy um, when it's all said and done? Uh, Florida's Sean Davis, hopefully, you know, will be completely healthy. Um, didn't play much in, in 2017, 2018. Um, had a nice rebound year there in 2019. Looking forward to a, a strong senior season. Um, Hamsun Nazaruddin out of Florida. Uh, Florida State, 6'4", 215 pounds, excellent length. Uh, in the last two seasons, you know, 192 tackles. Um, you know, so definitely some some range over the top. Excellent length. Um, can attack the football a little bit. Does a really good job with his length. You know, gets quite a few forced fumbles there on on the outside. He's someone to watch there in ACC play. Um, I'll give you a few more names. Uh, Richie Grant out of U, uh, UCF. In the American Athletic Conference, six foot, 194 pounds, had six interceptions. Um, you know, among the nation's leaders in 2018, also had 108 tackles on the year as well. Um, you know, in 2019, made some more plays behind the line of scrimmage, had four tackles for loss to go along with eight pass breakups. You know, he's he's one of those those instinctive players, a guy who can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, can be that volume tackler, really kind of a jack of all trades uh, at the safety position. Not really sure why people aren't talking about him because they should. Uh, James Wiggins out of Cincinnati, six foot two oh five. You know his 2019 junior season was gone, but he's back there for the Bearcats and somebody who you know he's big, he's physical, uh, comes with bad intentions and can make plays on the football. Uh, Ashari Crosswell out of Arizona State, six foot 196 pounds, another guy. Uh, who has tremendous ball skills? Six interceptions, 19 pass breakups, um, has three had three forced fumbles in 2019 as well. He's somebody over the top for Arizona State, especially when you have a guy like Chase Lucas playing corner. You know, I think uh, you know Shari Crosswell could be poised for a breakout season in his junior year. Uh, Greg Eisworth out of Iowa State, six foot, 198. Not the best athlete in the world, but he makes up for, for incredible instincts. Knifes downhill, volume tackler, makes a lot of plays uh, on the football. Paris, Paris Ford out of Pittsburgh. Look, six foot, 190 pounds, 10 starts this past season, 86 tackles, uh, 11 pass breakups, three forced fumbles. Was the leading tacker at the safety position as well. Very active, a big hitter, strong safety. Um, you know, he's somebody who is active you want to have somebody with some physicality also had three interceptions so he has some decent ball skills as well paris ford somebody to watch uh coming into the 2020 as well pittsburgh's going to have a loaded defense man um it'll be interesting to watch them play in in uh, acc play and i'll give you a couple of fcs guys to talk about a little bit brandon easterling out of dayton six foot 203 six interceptions in 2019 a guy who makes plays on the football look he also had 140 tackles so a, a volume tackler there for the the dayton flyers very active active safety a guy who you know i would be surprised if he wasn't invited to the combine and then d'angelo amos out of james madison 6'1 uh, 184 pounds another guy who uh you know is is very uh, very athletic can make some plays all over the field but really it's known for his uh pump return ability 
you know, uh, 76 punt returns, five of those returned for touchdown, um, 16.6 yards per punt return as well. So somebody who can definitely find his way onto a roster uh, as a returner. Uh, and so that he's a, another name to keep an eye out for, D'Angelo Amos. Um, so those are not only my top 10, but some additional guys to keep an eye out for on the defensive side of the football in 2020 um, and hopefully you know the winner of 2021 as well. Um, so looking at Saturday, September 12th, so uh, you know the full slate of games, it's it's really incredible you know looking at the list you know when you don't have all uh, you know, every team playing because the SEC is waiting until the end of September before they start start their league play. Uh, but you are going to get to see Syracuse take on Sam Howell, Chas uh, Surratt and company, the 18th ranked Tar Heels at home there. Um, Louisiana, uh, you're going to get to see Elijah Mitchell and uh, Trey Regis and company take on uh, Brock Purdy uh, and the Iowa Cyclones. Uh, let's see, other games to keep an eye out for. I mentioned Duke and Notre Dame. That'll be a fun game. Uh, Chris Rumpf going up against that offensive line for, for Notre Dame. Um, as we move through the list here, OU Spencer Rattler, um, he'll get his first game uh, under his belt against Missouri State. Uh, if you're in Oklahoma, that game won't be televised. Um, you'll have to buy it on pay-per-view. Uh, maybe the game of the day is going to be Clemson, the number one Clemson Tigers, uh, going to Winston-Salem to take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Boogie Basham and company taking on... Uh, Trevor Lawrence, can they put some pressure on the quarterback? You know, they're they're playing without Sage Surratt. He was you know, their best offensive player, offensive weapon, and uh, you know he's opted out and will enter the draft. Um, so that was a huge loss for them there. I just don't think Wake has enough firepower to really deal with with Clemson. Um, Texas, you're gonna get to see them play. They'll be taking on UTEP, um, and then you know an intriguing matchup: uh, Western Kentucky taking on Louisville. Uh, really want to see what D'Angelo Malone can do against uh, the Cardinals there out of the ACC. So those will be the games to keep an eye out for on Saturday, September 12th. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Number two of the 2021 season. And, and I'm, I'm really enjoying um, going through having college football here. You know, it was a little weird. There were some teams that didn't have any play, you know, any uh, fans in the stands. Um, you had the social distancing on the sideline, everyone wearing a mask on the sidelines. Um, the broadcasters were in the studio and you just had your sideline reporter down on the field. So it felt really weird. And yet at the same time, you had college football. And, uh, you know, I think having college football on Saturday, you know, there was some semblance of normalcy that returned. And I hope that was the same for you watching, watching college football. You know, we're going to have the NFL Thursday, September 10th, um, you know, NFL season kicking off and then we'll have the first weekend of the NFL year. And ultimately, you know, that's that's really what we were hoping for is to get the NFL back on the field 
um, and, and really start returning to some semblance of normalcy. You know, we, we, we have the baseball season, the hockey is, you know, hockey season is into, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, we're looking at conference championships there. And then, you know, the NBA, we're well into the thick of things there as well. You know, before long, we'll be talking about uh, Western and Eastern Conference uh, finals um, when it's all said and done here. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if anybody can can knock off uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers. Um, and now we've got the NFL. We've got college football. Um, so I think um, you know, things could be could definitely be worse. You know, I think all's right in the world when you have have sports, when you have the NFL, when you have college football on Saturdays. Um, so you know, let's make the best of it. Let's enjoy this season. And uh, I'll be with you every step of the way. We're going to take a look at at uh, each season or each week. We're going to take a look at you know break down some players. We'll have some spotlights on on players. Take a look at some guys that are flying under the radar. Maybe some guys that aren't performing up to up to their potential. Um, definitely some guys that are moving up some draft boards as well. So uh, we'll do a little bit of everything, and hopefully we'll extend this podcast into the winter when you have Big Ten, Pac-12 play. That's really what I'm hoping for is that we can extend this not just through the fall but into the winter as well. So hopefully. You stick along, you know, stay uh, stay with us and be along for the ride here uh, throughout the entirety of things. Ready for the draft podcast is going to be here. I'll be making sure to get my website updated, give you my top 10 and uh, start putting some more content onto the website as well. Um, so I think that's it for me. I hope you've enjoyed things. Hope you have a great weekend. First weekend of the NFL season and uh, second week of the college football season. First full slate of games excluding uh, the SEC, and uh, you know, let's go ahead and get after it. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. And until next time, everyone, take care, and I am out of here. <laughs>